You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. This is the uh, pre-holiday edition of uh, the Bucknuts Happy Hour, if you're, you're into that thing. Um, I'm Patrick Murphy. We're going to talk a lot of different topics today on the Happy Hour. The recruiting and NIL has become a huge deal for Ohio State over the last, I don't know, well, the last several months, but it's escalated recently. So we're going to hit on that for, for a good chunk of this. And then we're going to dive into to the football game, which is just eight days away. Ohio State in the college football playoff, obviously, against Georgia. I'm sure you all know that by now. And we'll get to that and, and some things that I think in terms of that game, um, Buckeyes being an underdog, how they do that. But I want to touch on recruiting first and specifically the NIL conversation. And to do that, I'm bringing in Ari Wasserman from The Athletic. Ari, thanks for joining the happy hour. How you doing, man? Hey, good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay, good. Um, I got this microphone in just for you, pal. Oh, I appreciate that, man. It's 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 been too long. Well, you were here briefly at the beginning of the season, I guess, but uh, yeah, yeah. They hired a beat writer now, so they don't need me anymore. Well, we miss you for sure. Appreciate it. Uh, look, I think that you have an interesting perspective on this NIL situation when it pertains to High State because you covered this program for quite a while. You're still pretty familiar with everything going on here but you also cover recruiting nationally and, and are aware of kind of what's going on with NIL everywhere. So I wanted to bring you in to kind of give a big picture view and then we can dive into the Ohio state, pers- Ohio state perspective. But let me ask you this. And I, I brought this up to Berm while we were talking the other day and, and he gave an interesting answer, but I think you may have a different one. 
from a non-Ohio State perspective, is NIL a bad thing for this sport the way it is currently being done? Because in my mind, if you're Oregon right now, you feel pretty good about NIL. But if you're Ohio State, maybe you're not as happy with, with how things are being run. What's your big picture perspective from that? Yeah, you know, the thing that I think is interesting is that, you know, I lived in Columbus for a decade of my 35 right. years on this planet and covered that team for a long time. And, you know, when NIL was being discussed um, before it happened, because we used to, you know, with other beat writers and stuff and the Woody, we yeah. would just shoot the shit and talk about it. Like everybody think thought like, oh, yeah, well, Ohio State's going to dominate. Think about how many Fortune 500 companies are here. Think about how much fan support there is. Think about the fact that it's a college town, but also a big city. Like all the things that, you know, everybody listening to this podcast and you are aware um Ohio state has advantage wise. So like, I am kind of surprised by like just the overall, overall reaction to it in Ohio and how they feel like, like Ohio state's getting their butts kicked in it and people are down on it. Like what, what's going on? You know, like Ohio state is a place that has every advantage in the world and always has been, which is why it's been a top program for the past century and why it hasn't had any extended down periods because it, it has all the advantages. So like for me, now that I live in Texas and I live near TCU and SMU and, you know, go to all different programs in my new job. It's like, what am I supposed to feel bad for Ohio state? Cause I can't figure it out. Like, like what, what is it that, that needs to happen? And I guess the mobilization of, of the pay, the, the, the paying system and the NIL and, and getting money up front for players and whether or not that that is good or bad for the sport or following rules. Like I'm, I'm completely aware of all the discourse around it. Um, but like, figure it out <laughs> you know like yeah. that's kind of like my deal it's like if if you don't complain about it this is ohio state like you know you've been better at everything for the last foreseeable past like or even yeah. non-foreseeable past so like what what is what is the problem like what are what are people upset about i don't even i don't even get it well, I mean, I think it's the fact that you have been at the top of the sport for so long, and now they are falling ever so slightly, but still somewhat more behind. Money in Athens and Tuscaloosa, and well, other places I, that are still managing to sign five-star prospects in Columbus, Ohio. There's more money uh, in College Station, Texas. Maybe there's a lot of oil money down there. I don't know, but like you're telling me that. Ohio State doesn't have the resources, the boosters, and the and the financial fortitude to get this figured out. Well, could it be as simple as some of these places were doing this more under the table already and now can step to the forefront and Ohio State, which has a compliance department that's bigger than any in the country, was more careful about it? Is that a possibility? I mean, I guess like there is a possibility that you uh, are lagging behind on the pay for play stuff, right? Like everybody's yeah. like, OK, well, the NIL spirit of it is to reward the current players and you know, I saw CJ Stroud wearing a $65,000 Rolex at the Heisman ceremony. So, you know, someone's getting paid something. He bought um, his mom a house for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure that CJ Stroud's taken care of. And I guess that's the, the spirit of the rule, but the thing that everybody always knew was going to happen. Gene Smith knows it. Ryan day knew it. The second you open up the financial door, the door wasn't going to get cracked. It was going to get burst through. And I think there's a very weird difference. Or, I mean, there's a very weird line between rule what, what's permissible and what's not permissible right you're not supposed to be uh, inducing players financially to come to your school right but to me i think there's a very small difference between ryan day having a powerpoint presentation in his office 
showing you how much CJ Stroud and other big time players at Ohio State makes, right. and another place saying if you come here, we'll give you twenty five grand off the bat. And I also uh, wasn't born yesterday, and I don't think that I would sit here and act like Ohio State's not paying their players when they get there. I'm sure there's a baseline number that every player in their class is expected to get once they sign to sign, because that's what you get as being a part of the NIL situation in this world. And I think it's all great. Now, are there crazy billionaire boosters who are just throwing 150, you know, K at random players just to come there? I mean, I don't know. I mean, clearly something's off, but like they still signed a top five class, you know, so you don't, I'm not going to sit here and, and believe, and I don't know, you know, if this is something that you believe, but like that Ohio state's doing nothing because then how do they get anybody, you know, cause this isn't a, um, this isn't a charity, you know, like people, this isn't the movie Rudy where they're going to go play at Ohio state because they love the Buckeyes more than any other school. If I were a five-star prospect who lived on, uh, on lane Avenue and Ohio state offered me nothing and Michigan offered me $2 million, where am I going? You know, like it just, it's, it's simple dollars and cents and real life, uh, real life financial discussions. And, you know, Ohio state's involved in some, in some faction one way or the other. Now, um, are they as aggressive as others? You know, maybe not, but they better figure it out. And I don't care if it's against the rules, you know, because the how do you enforce what's inducement? You can induce anybody any possible way to come to your schools by saying anything. Like, how do you enforce that? And who's yeah. gonna get who's gonna get suspended for taking money too early? It's America. You know, now the financial door is open. Uh, you know, burst through it. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Ryan Day sort of sold it on signing day as, you know, these guys are coming here for the right reasons. But then you had a kid in Jaden Bonsu who held out a day while trying to get a better what we what we understand is trying to get a better NFL yeah. package. Yeah, right. Like it is a free market. Rivals.com right? wanted to quadruple your salary tomorrow. You might love Bucknuts, but it's America. <laughs> what are you gonna yeah, do? Right. Not take the money because you love working with the people at Bucknuts? Like, I mean, yeah. it's like, and it's not, it's not the, uh, um, to say that loyalty is dead and you can't love your program. I'm assuming, you know, everybody loves Ohio state when they go there it would be one of the greatest places in the country to play. And I also know that the development aspect of it and the competing at a high level aspect of it are also parts of it, but I don't understand why. And, and maybe it's because it's been illegal for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have criminalized it, but what's wrong with somebody trying to to go get the most money. I try to get the most money in my life. Do you? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, everybody's in pursuit of money. That's the reason why people have jobs. So if a 17 year old kid or 18 year old kid who's getting an NIL deal wants to hold out on Ohio state more to eke out another 10 or 15,000 uh, bucks. If he's, that's his prerogative. When I got offered a job at the athletic, I countered, <laughs> you know, am I a bad person? Cause I wanted to provide for my family and, and make more money. So like, this is the thing. It's like, we got to stop looking at these kids like they're terrible people because they're trying to max out what they have. These guys have earned it. And if somebody's willing to pay it and you think you can get more then you know, your services go to the highest bidder. Yeah, I think you make a good point because it was for so long, you know, we talked about this in such a negative way in terms of, you know, schools that were doing it and whatnot. I mean, I know you covered Thad Mata in basketball when he was here and he mentioned all the time about, guys you know that he wouldn't name that were they lost because of other schools paying and now it's it's still weird that it's out in the open i think for a lot of people well it's like i've seen in the comments here they do care it's against the rules and they are stricter about interpreting them okay then yeah. lose <laughs> yeah i mean the that player that you lost out on that caused this entire discussion is going to be on the other sideline at the in the college football playoff I and mean, if they if they care more about enforcing it than other t- other schools 
especially considering the fact that it's unenforceable, then have then sign uh, more classes with bigger holes and less top tier talent, and watch Alabama sign seven five star prospects a year, and then and then do what Michigan did for the past you know 10, 15 years, and talk about moral high ground while getting your ass kicked. So like I mean, right. those are your two options. Yeah, I agree. I think that is the concern of Buckeye fans is that that's what's going to yeah. happen if if things don't change. Speaking of change, do you think that it is sustainable that you know boosters it? you know, pick a school that, that have given out money are going to continue to pay, you know, there's no return on investment here. You're not, you're not getting tickets to games. You're not getting your name on a building. Hopefully your team plays better, I guess, but is it sustainable for guys to continue to throw money at kids that don't haven't even stepped on a college campus yet? Do you, do you see that lasting? If the, if the NCAA yeah. doesn't get yeah, involved. So that's the interesting thing about it. Like we've, first of all, I think 80% of uh, the numbers that we see and 80% is a made up number, but all the, sure. all the numbers that we've seen, on Twitter about how much money people are getting is it's an 80%. Are you allowed to curse on this thing? 80% you're, of it's bullshit. Like, dude, yeah, like, you're good. come on. They're, Drake may got offered five mil and he stayed at North Carolina because Mac Brown hired an offensive coordinator. That's good with footwork. Like, you're, like are, do, do people, do, do people think that people are dumb? Like, are, are we supposed to be stupid? Yeah. If I were, if I were Drake may, I would walk on a highway to Duke for $5 million. He stayed there because he loves UNC because his dad played there. Come on, five mil. So you know, I, I what was the question? I, I don't even remember what the question is. Like, what the, is it sustainable? Is for it sustainable? Guys? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I, the reason why I went on that little mini rant is because I think that a lot of the the dollar figures that we're hearing are probably inflated because sure. it behooves the agents and it behooves um, the people involved to try to make as much money as possible by inflating how much these guys are worth. Um, but I do, I, I could see like with anything else, if you wanted to buy a Rolex five years ago, you could go in the store and buy one. And if you want to buy one now, you've got to pay more because you can't get one at retail. Like everything is a, is a false market. And now that market's coming down because less people want them. And you know, the market sets themselves, you know, and uh, you know, I, I, if people are buying, you know, players for 2 million or 3 million or 8 million or whatever the numbers are. And those players turn out to not work out well or whatever. These rich people who are kind of assigned to be the brokers of these deals are probably going to think twice about it next time. You know, you don't get rich and have that kind of money by making stupid financial decisions over and over again. Um, I think that NIL will, will, will stabilize. And I think we'll probably eventually get to a point where this is more above board and we have more, you know, contractual things that are available to us to actually analyze. Right. Um, but I, I don't know it's two years into it now. So of course people are going to go off the rails and try their best to do everything, everything they can to make their teams perform better. But if their money spent doesn't equate to more wins then it's certainly going to calm down because who wants to spend money on something that doesn't have results. My, the number one thing that I find most amusing about this too, and I did it myself on this show is like, why are the rich people who root for teams, the ones responsible for it now? It's like, Oh yeah, Ohio State. They're they're not making enough. They're not paying enough money to get Damon Wilson. It's like, well, who's the rich guy in Columbus who's going to write the check for this one? If I was a millionaire and I lived in Ohio and I was a big Ohio State fan, I wouldn't be like, I'm, I'm not paying for this. So like, it's it's that's also like the number one question too. It's like, are there boosters at Georgia and Alabama or in the South who care more about football than they do in the North that are more willing to put their own money on the line in order to accomplish these things? And I think that's all you know very well, uh, you know, reasoned in debate. Uh, debate topics but i just don't know for sure like what like what's the reason why ohio state's not doing it as well as everybody else it's because they don't want to break the rules and they want to do it the right way is that what we're telling ourselves yeah and the collectives haven't been well established i guess is the thought process yeah so i think that if if that's the case then as nil becomes more regular and 
you know, things start to, you know, become normalized that Ohio State will catch up. And I think other programs will catch up too. Like the maybe the Texas A&Ms and the Tennessees of the world, you know, deserve some credit for getting off to a fast start and being ready to hit the ground running when this stuff comes. But when we're in year nine of, of the NIL world and everybody's paying and everybody's doing these things, I'm assuming that Ohio State's got the money, the resources, and the administration to try to figure this out and make sure that they don't get left behind. Yeah, it seems to me that Ohio State expected this to be the you know, CJ Stroud gets paid by various companies because he's Ohio State's quarterback and not the collectives and other schools were more ready with collectives, you know, from, yeah. the, from the jump. And I do think that being the Ohio State quarterback is, um, you know, a very valuable position. I mean, CJ sure. Stroud has proven that. So, you know, the thing that's that's hard about football is, A, nothing's guaranteed. You know, you got five-star quarterbacks who are on the roster right now who might not ever play. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. Kyle McCord was a five-star player, and I don't know if he's in the plans right now, right? Uh, he has to win a battle to play, and then what? Then he's right. going to go transfer somewhere else if he doesn't. You know, sometimes that that money, if it's $2 million bucks, if it actually is $2 million, which I doubt it is, but if it were, you'd almost be stupid not to just take that money and hope for the best because that's life-altering amounts of money. You could buy a $500,000 house and live out the next 25 years comfortably just with the cash you get right. from that one deal. Right. You know, and everybody wants to be developed for the NFL and everybody wants to, you know, be in a position where they're, you know, playing for championships and get to have the nice facilities that Ohio State offers and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, that's all well and good. But like, go look at the five best quarterbacks in, in the NFL right now. Where'd they go to college? Like Cal, Texas Tech. You know, there's it's just kind of random anyway. So, you know, right. it's all. Uh, about personal finances, I guess, and decisions that you want to make. But, you know, I just I try to be as reasonable and logical about this as possible. And, you know, there's a lot of football programs out there that I could feel bad for. And I don't think Ohio State's very high on that list. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, you know, still top five, top six class, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. What do you make of this class? You know, I, I know you don't cover Ohio State recruiting as closely as you, you used to, but I assume you're pretty aware I still pay of some attention to it. Yeah, I still yeah. I still am, am, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very good class. It's not an Ohio State class, you know. They've got some. They've got some uh, holes there. Do they sign a running back? They didn't, right? No. Uh, Caleb Downs would have been a nice get to have in the secondary. <laughs> yeah. I think that what do they have? Seven top 100 players, and three of them are receivers. It's like okay, right. so they signed four non-receiver top 100 players, and Alabama signed 15. Okay, what, what do you think is going to happen when they play on the field in two years? Yeah. You know that that's the that's the real the real issue here. That what do you think is going to happen when they play Georgia in two weeks? Uh, when, you know, they have all these players and Ohio State's done really well, but, you know, it's not quite at the same level. Like, I think that Ohio State doesn't pat itself on the back unless it signs 10 to 15 top 100 players in a class. And they finished with one five-star prospect, uh, went over on every 50-50 prospect they had uh, on signing day and are generally signing a, a, a very good class if you're Miami or Penn State or, you know, Texas or, or USC, but... Ohio State's supposed to be playing ball with Alabama and Georgia, and this class, right. in my opinion, doesn't really stack up to it. I know it's got the third highest average player rating. You know, the, the floor of the class is probably higher than past ones have been. I think that they've got some steals, like Calvin Simpson Hunt's going to be a stud. Like, I, there, there's there's good elements to it, but to me, winning a national championship in 2022 or in 2023 is about the wealth of players that you get sure. and the sheer amount depth. And like, if Alabama is going to sign 15 top 100 players a year for a four-year period that what's the math on that that's 60 of the top 80 players on his on their roster is to our right. top 100 players like do you anybody confused why they're really good every year you know and that's that's the the area that i thought ohio state was going to be uh when they won the national title in 14 and returned their whole team in 15 
But what we've gotten uh, is four years of missing the playoffs, now two consecutive losses to Michigan and the worst class on paper that they've signed in the last four years, since Urban left anyway. Right. One last thing before I let you go. Am I being a downer? Do you want to ask me like a good one or like a nice question? Like I'm not trying to be an asshole. Like I just I'm just trying to be realistic. Look, I think that that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you because I do think you you don't sugarcoat it, right? You're not here to talk talk up Ohio State when there's not something to talk up. So and, I but I just I do think that the program should be a top right. three program in the country. You yeah, know, yeah. like that's the thing that's so like I I lived in your community. I covered the team every day. You know, a lot of the assistants on on the on at least the old staff I got to know pretty well, and you know I, I do think that uh, you know it's good people in Columbus and they love their team, and I think that's what makes this job so fun. Uh, but unfortunately, just right now, it doesn't seem to be headed in the right direction, and and it's Ryan Day's job to try to figure out how to get that thing back on track because uh, you know what's happening on the field is a little bit of a step back, and you know I guess he can make everything better in two weeks if he you know pulls off a miracle. But now the recruiting is slipping back a little bit. We've got NIL discussions like we're having here. It's like this isn't what's supposed to be the vibe around the Ohio State football program. Last thing, this may be a downer too, but are you surprised that they've been more careful than a lot of programs with the transfer portal? I mean, Ryan Day talks about the culture and wanting the right guys. and Mm -hmm. I get all that, but you also need, as you've pointed out, you need the talent and – you can fill holes pretty quickly. And they have, you know, you've gotten some guys, obviously Justin There's Fields being somebody in the live comments saying that Alabama wasn't very good this year, as if like, that's like a point to make when talking about how many players that they signed, like they don't win the national championship every year. Like, what are we talking about? Like, yeah, they, they had a bad year for the first time in 10. Yeah. Well, they missed the playoffs. Think the stars don't matter because Alabama lost two games. That, like, I don't understand how people like they Like it blows my mind. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Uh, Alabama stars don't matter. Look at Alabama. They suck. All right. Good point. You're right. Um, transfer portal. Transfer portal. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The. Uh, Are you surprised that Ohio State hasn't used it more? I guess. I guess uh, no, question. I'm not surprised. I mean, usually the teams that uh, recruit the best need it the least, right? Yeah. So, you know, there are certain areas that they're going to need help with, like next year. Um, Ohio State's pro- has a chance to lose JT Tui Maloa and, and Jack Sawyer after next year. They didn't really sign a five-star defensive end in this class. Yeah. You know, you're probably going to want to get an elite pass rusher. I'm sure they could use some help at safety. Uh, they might need a running back. Um, uh, uh, not might need a running back to to spell it, depending on how things go. Um, you don't uh, you just go in and take players just to take them, but it's it's a good thing for depth. If I were a head coach and I felt like my program was headed in the right direction, um, you know, my uh, thought process would always be to build it through the high school ranks to develop my talent and to fill gaps in when necessary. You know, like Ohio State's got one of the best transfers of all time, you know, going uh, to get Justin Fields is incredible and maybe want to be the best player in college football, or, I mean, in, in Ohio State football history or the best quarterback even. Um, you know, the opportunities there will present themselves. But, you know, I I did see that Georgia just signed two of the top, you know, receivers in the portal. You know, Alabama does a very good job with Jameis Williams, you know, <laughs> filling in gaps when they need it to. I think that for the elite level players, um, you know, it, it makes sense, but I would uh, certainly not be surprised to see them go get like 10 or 11. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to just real quick, Benjamin asked, what's the score on December 31st? I assume he means Ohio state, Georgia. Yeah. Um, what's your score? I'm curious. Uh, I haven't done one yet. I'm 
definitely picking Georgia. I think it will be closer than people imagine, but I do think Georgia will win because, they, as you've pointed out, they're just they're the number one team in the country all year for a reason. Yeah. Well, the, the problem with with uh, picking Ohio State games is, and I rarely pick against Ohio State because, as you sure. know, I'm a talent person, and Ohio State's roster is built in a way where if they were to put it together, um, they can beat anybody in the country. Like if Ohio State won a national championship, in my opinion, this year, that would be less shocking than if Michigan or TCU did just based on the, the roster makeup, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I've seen enough from Ryan Day and his coaching staff where I could, in good faith, you know, put trust in them to figure out how to how to beat that team. So I think it's bad for Georgia because um, – they got the hardest matchup in the first round, I think. And usually the number one seed in sports isn't supposed to be rewarded with that tough matchup. Yeah. But like between coaching and talent across the board, like doesn't Georgia have a advantage at every identifiable area? So, you know, I don't think that Ohio state's going to lose 38 to nothing or anything, but I think that Georgia is going to probably cover the spread. I would say something like 38 to 27 or something like that. Maybe uh, a Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just like, I don't know, uh, what needs to, you know, what light needs to turn on. But like I was, when I was watching the Michigan game and I was pretty shocked for the second consecutive year, by the way, cause teams with sure. that much talent advantage shouldn't be made to look the way that Ohio States look like. It just got me thinking like, you know, all year Ohio States players have, you know, I don't know if you agree with this, Pat, you tell me, cause you've been to all the games, but while watching it on TV, it looks like they lack enthusiasm. Like they, they don't seem to be having fun that, you know, CJ Stroud hangs his head a lot. Like there just seems to be something missing. And I don't know if that's something that can be fixed in three weeks. Like, does that, is that a fair assessment or do you think I'm overthinking it a little bit? Uh, I think somewhere in the middle, I think that they know come this year, like how important it was to be perfect because of last season. And look, I said all year, CJ Stroud, could do all he, he could have won the Heisman last year and this year, but if he didn't beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, and you know make the college football playoff, people are going to look at him different, and they have. I mean, you've seen the reaction the last few weeks about him. So, like, I feel like that's on all of the, that was on all of their shoulders all year. And then you know you you try and be perfect, and perfect doesn't exist, right? And you know, so I do think like you, using CJ as the example, yeah, I noticed that too that he he doesn't look like he's having fun, but I think he also feels the weight of all of this because yeah. there's that pressure and a lot of quarterbacks recently... put it all on cj I, no, I, 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 I think that like the team itself just like looks like they played a lot of close games they probably should have been playing in this year you know they just they look like it's just unenthusiasm that's a, somebody just said that enthusiasm is missing for two years unmotivated there's just a look about them that just doesn't make it seem like they're running on all cylinders in order to beat georgia they're gonna have to come in with an incredible game plan they're going to have to get great performances out of all of their best players. And people are going to want to have to believe and want to be there and, you know, do all the things like it has to be, you think that 2014 was a miracle. You know, people like to look back and think like, Oh my God, they won a national championship with their, with their third string quarterback. If you go back and look at 14, they'd beat Alabama on the way, but that was maybe the worst or second worst Alabama team of the sec of the Saban era, you know, uh, at least the ones that made the playoff. Not that it wasn't a very good team, but it wasn't, what they saw in the championship two years ago. Yeah. And then they beat Oregon who, who they out talented at every position on the field. If Ohio state, after what we saw this year were to go out and beat Georgia and Atlanta, 
and then turn around and beat whoever they play in the national championship game to win a national championship, I would probably hold that run in even higher regard than 14, which is crazy because I don't know how Ohio State fans would react to winning a national championship in a year where maybe they don't beat Michigan. Um, the Big Ten. I, you know, but like maybe if they beat Michigan in the championship, then it's the greatest season of all time. So like there's still a potential out there for this to end happy for Ohio State. I just don't know if Ryan Day and his staff have earned the benefit of the doubt to be picked. It's one of those games where you just pick Georgia because that's the prudent thing to do, this, the, yeah. the right thing to do. And if Ohio State happens to win this football game, then you can write a column about how amazing it was that Ryan Day got this whole thing turned around in three weeks. Um, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing you hear about Urban and you talk to players that played under him and whatnot is is ultimate motivator, right? And I don't know if if Ryan is that same way. Now, that doesn't mean Ryan has other qualities that aren't very good too, but you know, they, people have thrown out, and I'm going to talk about after you're off, this underdog thing and how they've been so good as an underdog. Well, most of that was under Urban. I mean, I think that's could be a different, you know, we're talking about different animals here. When, when you talk about the way Urban handles, aren't they like two? Aren't they like eight and two against the yeah. spread in games where they're underdogs or something like that? Yeah, something along those lines. But yeah, well, usually when they're underdogs, they're playing teams like this because yeah, right. it takes quite a bit for Ohio State to be an underdog. I mean, there were a few years where they were underdogs against Michigan, right? Yeah, probably um, on the road. But like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the trend stuff in gambling is always interesting to take a look at. But like, I don't know if you watched Ohio State play this year, and you know. I don't know how much what they did in 2016 as an underdog matters right now. You know, yeah, exactly. I think that like, you know, this team is in a very critical uh, intersection program wise and, and seeing how they respond to what happened on the field in Ohio stadium and, and the negativity around the program, the sputtering finish and the recruiting class and all this stuff. I do think that um, it's going to be kind of an uphill climb, but I'll tell you one thing, man, if, if Ryan, Ryan day is tired of people neg- being negative about him or saying things that aren't nice or, you know, win that football game and go, it's gone, right. you know? So, you know, they've got an opportunity to do it and I, and I can't wait to, I'm covering the, the Fiesta Bowl. So I'm a little bit annoyed by it because I'll be writing and, and working off of that game while the Ohio State game's on, but I'll try my best to watch as much of it as I can. Well, your boy, Bill Landis went and uh, my guy. he's going to have a kid. So he doesn't even get to come down to Dow or to, uh, to Atlanta with us. So I know it's, he's, he's pretty bummed about that. He's having his first child and he's, he just, he can't go to Atlanta and party with the boys, you know, but you know, know. congrats to bill. And (laughs) he's one of my best friends. And, you know, I'm happy that, you know, this is a blessing for him and and what's happening to him. And, you know, I'm excited to read uh, and see how things go. And, you know, there are, there are days where it's, it's easy to miss Columbus. So I know I hope everybody that's there, you know, has a happy holiday and enjoys the game. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Sorry. I do yeah. appreciate it. And uh, it was good having you. I on got a little camera. spicy there in the middle there and I kind of feel no, bad. That's, I, no, I got, that's good. I got Look, I, we, I was kind of an asshole to that, to that person that was talking about Alabama and I, and I'm sorry about that. I just, <laughs> I just, sometimes I get triggered by like non, like, like um, arguments that just have no water at all. And they like, try to use it as a way to prove that you're wrong when it's just like the example didn't even make sense, you know? And, you know, if you want to have a discussion about whether stars matter or a, a, a team that has a lot of talent on their roster doesn't, um, you know, always compete at the highest level. That's one thing, uh, you know, upsets happen. Teams have bad years, but what talent does do is give you an opportunity to be exceptional. And without that talent, you can't be. And, you know, Ohio state's been the beneficiary of a, a talent advantage and, 
85 or 90 probably percent of their games since the beginning of the Urban Meyer era. And in this game coming up, they will not have the advantage. So it'll be very curious to see how they're, if, you know, if the Michigan game happened with a distinct talent advantage and what's going to happen when they're on the wrong side of that equation, they end up winning this football game. It'll be a fun, fun thing to talk about in terms of how we view Ryan day and all that stuff. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. I do appreciate it. I know you got a lot going on your own Mm -hmm. kid and, all mm-hmm. your work and whatnot, but I appreciate your time. I think you just, I, you give a different perspective than a lot of people and, and I enjoy that. So yeah, thanks, thanks man. I appreciate on. you have, for having me on and, and good luck and enjoy Atlanta down there. Yeah. We'll have a good time. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. All right, bro. See ya. That was Ari Wasserman from the athletic. He uh, joined us to talk about kind of the recruiting side of things. Um, the NIL situation, um, all that, all that jazz. If you missed any of that, you can you can go back and listen on the podcast version of this. Um, you know, we did dive into some some of what I want to talk about now, which is Ohio State Georgia, because Ohio State is is certainly the underdog in this game, no doubt about that. Buckeyes are, I, I don't know what the line is at this point, but Georgia is clearly the favorite, and so. That was brought up when, when we met with the football players. Um, we talked to 20 of them or so. That came up a lot, this, this underdog idea. And, you know, guys had different responses. Some guys said, you know, we always view each other or view ourselves as the underdog in games. It's Ohio against the world, all that. And, you know, th- that's all well and good to say that. But, like, how do you, as an Ohio State program, where you are almost always the favorite? Jim Graham here says the line's at seven and a half now. Thanks for that. Um, you're, you're always the, the top dog in almost every game you play. And this year, I think Ohio State was the favorite in every game. I know they you know, Notre Dame and, and Michigan would have been the only two in question. Uh, so how do you switch that? You, know, you, you, you want to go into every game with the mentality of we need to bring our best and da-da-da-da and all that. And, you know, I think Ohio State did that for the most part. Um, but how do you then – turn around and be the underdog as this team that was a preseason favorite, one of the preseason favorites to win the national title. You have guys that have won national awards. You have a unanimous All-American in Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, consensus All-American in Paris Johnson. Like, How do you take that and then just become the underdog? And I think that's going to be interesting and um you know i i saw and ari brought this up too jay said i say it's eight and two is an underdog and as i said to ari a lot of that came under urban meyer and say what you will about urban meyer you know there, there were I, I think people reflect back on urban now because there's issues with ryan day and, and think that there's also you know urban was everything went perfectly under urban that obviously wasn't true but what urban did do is win games that no one thought the Buckeyes would do. And that's what that eight and two record shows mostly, uh, you know, now how do you do that if you're Ryan day? Because as Ari was pointing out, there are issues with this team and, and we saw it kind of the second half of this year. And I, I've been very clear, you know, I, I don't want to sound super negative. I've been clear that, look, this is the number two team in the country for the vast majority of the year. You have plenty of talent. You were talked about as the only team with your offense that could go out and compete with Georgia. And I think there's something real there. But if you want to play this underdog card, how do you shift that focus from just being the week-to-week favorite? And even against Michigan, even against Notre Dame, everyone expected Ohio State to win. 
now everyone's talking about Georgia and they're going to hear it. And, you know, I think it's on the coaching staff to figure out how to turn that into motivation. And, you know, I don't know how well this staff does that. And I'm not saying they can't, I'm saying, I honestly don't know. Look, the, the number of times that Ryan day is the head coach has been an underdog have, have been very few. Um, you know, obviously Alabama in the national championship game, uh, maybe Clemson both times they played. I'm not sure. Obviously both those games, um, you know, the first one was very close, the, the officiating and whatnot. The second one, obviously Ohio state wins, but there are just not a lot of examples of Ryan day. And, and you have to have that beyond Ryan day. It has to be throughout the coaching staff of, of getting these players to buy in to that underdog role, because, that's not something they're used to. I mean, even, even before these kids got to Ohio State's campus, a lot of them were playing on teams that made runs in state tournaments, uh, won state titles. These kids have, have always been the best. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how you embrace that underdog role and how you, you flip that switch. Because I don't think it's as easy as just like, oh, ESPN picked us to lose – no, I mean, like people talk about Ohio State all the time, um, you know, and, and we hear from the players and coaches, you know, we don't buy into that. We don't hear that stuff. Well, you need to hear it now. And um, if I'm Ryan Day, if I'm Jim Knowles, if I'm pick the coach all the way down, I'm putting that up in our position rooms. I'm putting that up, you know, letting them know that, look, this is this is what people are saying about you. People are picking Georgia by to cover the spread, you know, whatever it may be. Anything that you can grab from uh, the, the Bulldogs, anything they say as potential bulletin board material. And I don't think that – I think Georgia players are smart enough to not say a ton. Uh, but, you know, you, you need to find a way to, to relight that fire and then do it again to make them know that they are the underdogs and embrace that. And that was what happened in 2014 where Urban, you know, he, he did it. I mean, first Urban did it he's done it most of his career. And uh, again, this is the best thing he's done. He's the ultimate motivator. He was a psych major, I believe at Cincinnati. He was able to you know, make Bowling Green better than they were supposed to be with the talent. Utah, same thing gets to Florida upsets, Ohio state in the national championship game. And, and there were obviously other things that were talked about, um, you know, so how do you then get that kind of 2014 motivation forget the the magic and, and whatnot. Obviously there was a lot of that, but like, how do you, how do you get them? I saw somebody put on Twitter the other day, this clip of JT Barrett in, in the locker, you know, it was from an Ohio state thing, JT Barrett, just, you know, yelling at the team and, you know, getting them psyched up and things like that. You know, is there, are there those guys in the locker room that are going to do that um, before the game and, and each day in practice, you know, we heard, I wrote about it. I know a lot of people wrote about it. We heard JT to stepped up, before the uh, first practice after Ohio State lost to Michigan and had to tell the team, you know, look, we still may have a shot here. Let's not waste these days in practice. That's your sophomore defensive end who's a pretty quiet guy. Is there somebody else on this roster, some buddies else, multiple people that are going to stand up in the locker room and get this team fired up and believe that they can, you know, shock the world, Ohio against the world, all these fight all these slogans that Ohio state has, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to say we're the underdog. You know, we know that we're going to buy into this underdog mentality than 
to actually go out there and do it. You've seen it before, um, you know, and I don't know. I, I'm going to be very interested to see how Ohio State handles that role because it, it could be the difference. If, if they really are able to buy into it, I think there's enough talent on this team to upset Georgia. Um, but if you go in with the same mentality they've had really the second half of the year, um, you know, yeah, saying you're the underdog, those type of things, I don't know. I, I, Georgia has the experience at this. Georgia has the, ta- the talent, maybe more so than Ohio State. So, um, you know, I think that, that that's going to be very interesting to follow. And I think once we get down to Atlanta, um, when we talk to players, I think you can get a bit of a sense of that. I was not in uh, the I – w- I was on the beat, but I did not go to – Um, the playoff games in 2014, but I've talked to people who were there. I watched those interviews and like, maybe it's looking back. I don't know. I try and remember that point in time. There was, there was this, like, there was something different about the way that those guys talked about that game and and answered questions and things like that. And so I hope we get a a similar sense when uh, we get down to Atlanta and get ready for uh, this game with, with interviews and whatnot. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And, you know, obviously, they, Ohio State has to do some things better. There has to be – Ryan Day has to be more aggressive. And I think that plays into – Jim Knowles has to be maybe less aggressive. But I think all of that plays into accepting the underdog. I think Ryan Day in this last Michigan game was too tight because he knew, well, I can't lose to Michigan. Like, I can't do it again for a second year in a row. That's why you're only up, uh, you know, whatever it was at halftime, 20 to whatever. Um, as opposed to, to being, you know, scoring touchdowns and kind of letting the, the play calling flow and things like that. And then the second half there, it was the same stuff. It, it, the, the adjustments weren't there. It, it was just, it was so tight. And I think, you know, Brian day has to embrace this underdog role and look, we're going to let it go. And, you know, we're going to throw the ball around with CJ and these receivers, and we're going to, we're going to play tight defense on these wideouts and, you know, cover the tight end and try and get to uh, Stetson Bennett. You've, you've just got to play free and accept that role as the underdog and not worry if you're the Ohio state coaching staff or the Ohio state players. Oh God, you know, if we lose this game to Georgia, we've already got all this negative talk about losing to Michigan and recruiting and things like that. Like if we lose to Georgia, what's it going to be like all off season? Let the fans worry about that. Deal with that after the game. Be the underdog that makes the upset. Play free, play loose. And you know, this is the first real real chance Ryan Day has to do that. Maybe the national championship game against Alabama was another opportunity, but I throw that one out just because of how depleted Ohio State was COVID-wise. And you know, I think that that Alabama team might be the most talented of, of all time. I think there's a debate there. This Georgia team is really good, but they're definitely not in that sphere, I don't, I don't believe. So, you know, we'll see about that. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. Holidays are coming. And uh, if you're in Columbus, you know what the weather's like. And I've got to uh, drive two hours to get uh, get somewhere this evening. So uh, going to get ready for that. But wanted to give you guys kind of a breakdown on the schedule for what to expect while we're down in Atlanta. Um, I will be flying down on the on Christmas night. I will get in on I will get to Atlanta Christmas night. And the first media availability will be on the 26th, which is actually on Zoom. So I didn't need to, but I booked my flight before I knew that. So uh, the first media availability and bear with me here, I'm pulling this up. 
Um, the first media availability is on the 26th. And it is, I believe, with the coaches. Sorry, I should have had this pulled up. Here it is. All right. I thought this was it. Hold on, hold on. I know this is really bad podcasting. Um, Where did the schedule go? Anyway, I'll try and pull it up here as I talk. But the first day, I think we get the coaches again on Zoom. Um, So we'll have plenty of stuff from that. But we'll get offense one day, defense. um, The offense, I think it's Ohio State defense and Georgia offense on the 27th. Then we get um, the flip of that on the 26th or the 28th, I'm sorry. Um, and I'm all over the place right now as I try and find this uh, this media availability. Anyway, we'll get both sides of the ball back and forth um, those two days. And then the final day, um, which I believe is the 29th, 30th, um, we'll get the head coaches again. Uh, oh, and there's a media day in there. Yeah, the media day is 29th, 30th. We get the coaches day before the game, and then obviously the game. So, look, we're going to have plenty of content. Steve Hellwagon, Dave Bill are going to join me down there. I think they both get in the 26th, maybe the morning of the 27th. Um, so we're going to have them down there. We're going to have tons of stuff. Be ready for that. Dave will still be doing the BM5 from down there. I'm sure he'll have Steve and I on at some point. My plan for this podcast is to do a Bucknuts happy hour with Steve and Dave while we're down there. I'm going to have to work out the logistics of that, whether it'd be better to have them sitting here with uh, our drink in our hands, or uh, if we do it on through, through, through this and do it from our various locations in the hotel. But we've also talked and we'll see if this works out timing wise. If you're going to be in Atlanta, Uh, maybe doing some sort of meetup one of the nights as much as five days sounds like it's a long time to be down there it um you know there's a lot going on so we may do some sort of meetup thing if you're on the Bucknuts message boards we'll post it on there if we end up getting that together but uh yeah I hope everyone has a happy holiday get through this try and enjoy this don't worry about the game too much throughout the holidays if you celebrate these holidays then we're off And uh, next week is going to be a crazy one. Look, I enjoy these bowl games a lot, especially when it's the college football playoff. People care. Um, You know, we're not only do we get to have a good time down in Atlanta and trust me, if you think drinking a beer on the Bucknuts happy hour is uh, a good time, we have a good, we'll, we'll have a good time in Atlanta, but we also work hard, play hard, so to speak. And uh, we'll have plenty of stuff. There's going to be a lot of work. So, Stay tuned for updates on when we're going to do the next Bucknuts happy hour, but we'll definitely have one down from Atlanta closer to the game when we'll really dive into it. Again, if you missed anything from earlier, we had Ari Wasserman from The Athletic. Ari used to cover Ohio State, provides a very unique perspective, I think, because of what he does now, national recruiting, and then uh, the fact that he knows this this program as well as he does. So we talked some NIL, we talked some recruiting stuff with him. Ari got a little fired up. And then he apologized for it. Then, you know, we, we talked about the Buckeyes and how they handle being an underdog. So if you missed anything from this, the podcast will be up. This will also be posted on YouTube, Facebook, whatever you watched it on. It'll archive. 
Thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate it. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It does us wonders. You wouldn't even believe it. And uh, I, I think I don't think I ever said I'm drinking a Christmas sale, Great Lakes Christmas sale. I still have a ton of them in my refrigerator. Plus, we're almost to to Christmas, so I figured it made sense. Anyway, we'll talk next week before the Buckeyes take on Georgia. We'll have a, a great show live from Atlanta. And until then, cheers, Buckeye fans. Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.